everybody, and welcome back to Radical Hope Radio. I'm Liz Feld. I am delighted and honored to be back here today. Radical Hope was founded in 2018 by Pam and Phil Martin, following the tragic death of their son, Chris, by suicide. The foundation is committed to addressing America's youth mental health crisis by improving connection, reducing emotional and social isolation, and building resilience in young lives. Today, we're talking to Radical Hope Chairman Larry Bossidy. Larry has decades of leadership and management experience transforming winning strategies into results. He is a no-nonsense problem solver who knows how to get things done. He's been instrumental in founding and growing Radical Hope. Chris Martin was Larry's grandson. Hi, Larry. Welcome to the show. Liz, welcome to welcome you, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. First of all, you know, before we get on to the questions on our conversation for everything you've done, um, obviously decades of experience in business have you know positioned you to take on tough challenges. But something as personal as this, and a crisis as um, urgent as the one we have now with our with our youth across the country. Um, really calls for the kinds of skills and approach that you bring that you bring to problems. So um, I suspect you probably never thought you'd be involved in such a program like this. No, I never thought I would. I certainly, by virtue of a lot of grandchildren in school over the years, had rumors uh, and some incidents involving uh, college-age students under great pressure and taking some uh, activities and actions that Previously, I was unheard of, but nonetheless, given the situation, it's something I want to be involved in, and I think through Radical Hope, we can make a difference in this critical area. Yeah, and a few minutes, I want to get in, in a minute to, um, to just sort of the dramatic changes over the years and, you know, what, frankly, what life was like when you were growing up and when I was growing up and now what, what these kids are all facing, but I guess really, let's start right at the beginning, you know, when when, when when you lost your grandson, did you know right away that you wanted to do something? Whereas the, did, did you and, and, and Pam and Phil, you know, look at, you know, the, the huge landscape of, of challenges that these young folks are facing and, and, and try to narrow down some focus? What, what was your process? Well, first of all, we were uh, always questioning what happened here. Certainly, Chris had some handsome, had some unstable times in his life, but we never thought it would go to the extent that it finally did. So the question was, what, what happened? What went wrong? And what can, what can we do to prevent it uh, in other students in both high school and colleges? And so Phil and Pam thought about that for a while and, and decided that the best approach was to find Radical Hope and see if we can get at this question and see if we could make a contribution to in some way impact positively this crisis. Did you did you sense right away, or also even just knowing from from the challenges that Chris had had in finding some some good help in some cases, you know w- what kind of void the organization could fill? Did you did you have a specific focus there? One of the things that was apparent when we started this is colleges, and we I suspect uh, high schools as well had little capability to deal with the subject. So one of the things we hope we can get done through Radical Hope is to prepare. Uh, some of these colleges and high schools to deal with this situation. And by virtue of the programs that we're offering, I think that can happen. And I think we've made some progress. 
we have, we have made some progress and, and, um, I, you know, I have to say, you know, you, and then you and I have been working together now for the last couple of years. Um, I, I think what, what you've brought, which is so urgently needed to just the broader foundation sector here is focus. You know, there is this vast landscape of need right now, unmet need, right? In research and clinical services and groups, community support groups and um, school support stuff. And it's very tempting for an organization to try to bite off all of this, right? Policy reform, <laughs> more funding for things. And we know just by watching, and this is true beyond the mental health sector, you, know, you watch other organizations and they start floundering, you know, they get mission creep right away. And um, I think what you and, and the board has done, have done is you know, just demanded that we just pick a lane and stick to it. Um, so I'd ask if, if, did you feel that way because of other work you had done in philanthropy? I mean, not putting aside all of your business experience, Larry, you've just been such a generous benefactor to other, you know, um, worthwhile organizations. Did that inform your approach here? It did. Uh, you know, all of these organizations, uh, uh, have merit, but the question was: Was there's enough substance there, and it, was it measurable so we could uh, look and test results from these programs? And that's why one of the first things we did was to embark on what we call standard of excellence, which is a due diligence, if you will, to look at these organizations and see if they met the test of substance and accountability. Uh, because as we get into, if they pass that test then I think we got a real chance working with them to make the contribution which is in our mission. Yeah, the standards of excellence, which which everybody should know um, who's listening, you can it's available. To, if you go on our website at the radicalhopefoundation.org, you can you know just um, sign a use agreement and download it. it it's really a, an assessment tool to help either funders or organizations themselves measure and evaluate how they're doing, how they, you know, how efficacious they are, how disciplined they are around their finances and their governance. And, and hopefully it will, you know, it will be a valuable tool to predict the likelihood of success for, for any, for any organization, including our own. We use it to test ourselves. So, um, so, and I know that was a priority of yours right from the get go. It has to be, or you could, as I said, you got a lot of worthwhile or missions out there that don't end up delivering because they have, um, sort of mission creep. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, Larry, you know, stepping back for a second, like you said, you have, um, you have enough grandchildren to field a couple of different football teams. So you, you know what, what this whole, that generation has been going through. And I wonder, you know, if, if you spend much time or thought comparing their upbringing to the experiences you had in your childhood and, and you know, that I had, um, because, you know, there's a lot of blame now on social media that's very tempting to say, oh, these kids are, social media is a problem, they're violent games, they're in their basements, you know, alone, online, um, parents coddled their children. But these are big questions. And I, I, I'd love to hear from you, you know, what your, what your perspective is on this as we, as we look at what we're dealing with. Uh, well, th th it is a, that is a comprehensive question. It's a key question. One of the things I find is it's the, a lot of these kids, most of these kids going to colleges are very well prepared in the sense of academics. They have passed the tests and they've got record high SAT scores and so very qualified. But on the other hand, as you mentioned, there's a lot of things that are distracting to them. 
And one of the things that causes us, I think, is a lack of independence. Too many times their parents have stepped in and managed the obstacles that have come before them. And so they go to college in a new environment, in a significant transition, and they don't have the self-confidence uh, because of this question of, uh, of independence to take them on. Uh, in contrast to my day, for, for example, uh, and I think yours, uh, I can remember getting a scholarship to Colgate and asking my father whether we could go see it. He looked at me and said, why? You got a scholarship, didn't you? And I thought it was a reasonable answer, and I never did go until the first day of class. Right. So, so I, think it, I think it's different for these kids. They have a lot of pressures. Uh, these tweetings that go back and forth all day long, and they're pinging their parents in most cases twice a day. They've got to be more independent. They've got to be more self-confident to manage their own problems. And I think Radical Hope addresses that by looking at their relationships with themselves and with others and with the world, even as the case may be with NYU. So we can make progress on the subject, but it hasn't gone away and it's not going to go away until we find an effective way of treating it. Well, no, it's funny you bring that up. You know, my parents were the same way, Larry. When I remember when we were looking at schools, my father said, take out a map. And I grew up in right outside of New York City. And he said, draw a 250-mile radius, and you're going to find a school within that radius, and you're going to be able to get on a bus to get there or a train or whatever, get a hitch hitchhike. But you're not flying out to the West Coast because you like the weather out there. You're not flying. So I know there, there are far more options right now. And I'm not sure that's such a, that, um, that these kids face. And I'm not sure that they, um, have, they're equipped to make the decisions a lot. So the parents are making them for them. And then, as you said, it's sort of the cascading effect of the lack of independence. So let's talk about NYU since you brought it up. Um, we we uh, embarked on this pilot Back in April, really, we started planning with NYU as our partner to develop a skill-based program for all the first-year students that was, you know, that baked into the sort of the orientation process of the students, whether they come to school in person or virtually because of COVID. We, we knew this was a, um, you know, a question that was up in the air. But we zeroed in on making it skill-based and really just identifying the fundamental skills that we know that these students need to thrive and to survive. And the program has been designed for everybody, not just for students who have been diagnosed with any particular, you know, mental health challenge. It's really basically an on-ramp so that for these students as they start their college journey. And um, I think you, you, you just said it a minute ago, Larry, exactly right. These times of transition are so critically important. It's when young adults are so vulnerable and we're hoping to capture them. So this is really, really all started though because of your relationship with Ken Langone. So I, I think everyone would love to hear about that. Well, first of all, I, I think uh, this pilot that we're running with NYU has enormous potential. Our objective over time is to take this program and move it to other colleges and high schools across the country. And it's a, subs a substantive program with wonderful, uh, uh, messages from various knowledgeable leaders who can help make it successful. So I'm excited about it. In terms of my relationship with Ken Langone, we go back a long time. Uh, he's been a wonderful friend, a very generous person. And he he's established himself in terms of being aware of selective causes. He doesn't go into everything, 
But when he does get involved, such as the case with Radical Hope, he's fully involved. He does anything that, that we ask him to do. And he's been a great partner, a great friend. And I'm so happy that he's involved with Radical Hope. Well, he has been. And I'm just thinking back now to our early meetings with him, you know, two years ago, 18 months ago, when we started exploring other things to do before we even got to the NYU program. You know, I just sat thinking that both of you could be playing golf all day or sitting on a beach somewhere relaxing. And here you are, you know, as motivated and committed as ever to um, to get to get our arms around this, this what is a crisis. So I think in terms of being involved, I think Ken and I both agree that so a part of the longevity of life is staying involved. And, uh, you know, we bring skills that are different uh, in terms of our own backgrounds to some of these causes. We learn at the same time, uh, but we've always had a mission uh, of making sure we can be held accountable as to what we're trying to do. And I think the, our, our Radical Hope is a good example. If you look at what we've accomplished over the last 12 or 13 months, I think it's remarkable. We know that we're just at the surface of what needs to be done, but nonetheless, we're both happy with the progress that we've made, Liz. A lot of it thanks to you. Oh, well, Larry, I thank you. It really is a privilege to have the kind of um, focus and do mentality, obviously, (laughs) that you bring to this, but just the urgency as well. You know, I think one of the things that this entire broader not-for-profit world suffers from is a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of convening, and there are a lot of very smart, well-intentioned people who just can't seem to move the move off the dime. And um, I think the best way to make progress is to try, even if we try and fail, is to try things, bring the best people to the table, and just move. Uh, and I think you know this NYU program came off like a rocket because of that exact approach that you that you and Ken demand and I, I and I'm Linda and I are right there with you on this Linda Mills um the vice chancellor at NYU which is these students need help today and more than ever particularly the last nine months you know we've seen these dramatic rises in anxiety and depression and substance use disorder uh and just you know on top of what would be the standard level of you know um anxiousness as you approach college so we pulled this together and it's, you know, it certainly is a pilot. We're trying the content, we're working on the messaging, but the response already, Larry, has been extraordinary from the students. We were just reading the, the, the first round of data this week and just even the ability for these folks to get together and discuss what's on their mind and get guidance from their, you know, their advisors, simple things, how to get a good night's sleep how to drop a course, you know, how to, how to interact with people whose opinions differ from their own. These are things that you learn from your parents, right? No, that's right. It's amazing to me with these, these qualified kids uh, coming to school, the state of their mental, physical, and emotional skills is remarkable to me, and not in a positive sense. So one of the things, as you've mentioned previously, we're trying to build a resilience and the self-confidence of these people to enjoy college. It's one of the great times of our life. And to see them under stress and, and strain and being emotionally upset is something that, fr- frankly, doesn't belong in this time of their life. So whatever we can do to ease that will make us all feel good. And, and we'll also help a lot of kids to be healthy from an emotional and physical and uh, standpoint. 
Well, you know, you're so right about the joy factor here. You know, Larry, as you know, when we were putting together the content for the, for the, for the program, uh, we talked about the need to not just emphasize the dark stuff. Okay, we'll help you through these troubled things. It's, this should be a joyful time. There's a world of opportunity out there when you leave home for the first time and you go to what is a safe environment. You know, colleges are still a safety net and you should go explore, right? Whether it's meeting people and the, you know, activities, clubs, sports, um, the, the, you know, the student newspaper, your, your, your dorm mates, all that stuff. And it seems like so much of that is missing these over the past and not just because of COVID, this has been going on for, for many years now that this whole idea that you, it's all about performance and not just not enough about just general human development is, is a problem. It is a problem. And, you know, a lot of these stresses, if not all of them are self-imposed. So if we can help people deal with the issues that are before them and see the bright side of things as opposed to the other side, then I think we've made a real contribution. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the program, it's never been more needed uh, in terms of across the country, aggravated by a lot of the events of 2020. But nonetheless, we have big dreams, and uh, I'm convinced that we can realize those dreams and in the process help some very capable young people find a brighter day each and every day. Well, you know, your, your optimism is, is absolutely the right approach that we need. And I, cause I do think that becomes contagious and, and that's not to disregard the real, some real concerns. You know, I, I'm reminded a lot by my, I have three grown children, young adults, a um, couple of their thirties. And they do point out that, you know, we didn't grow up with school shootings. You know, you and I didn't, Larry. You know, we didn't grow up. The, the political climate and the political discourse is such a disgrace. Um, you know, this sort of overwhelming bombardment, like you were saying about tweeting and the, just the constant negativity and the 24-hour cable news onslaught of bad, infra, bad news and doom and gloom. It's going to wear on anybody. And I think we, we're un, we'd be unrealistic not to recognize that those are contributing factors. So we just got to make sure that um, that we have create as much of an environment as we can, so that these people can thrive. Otherwise, you wouldn't want. You, for God's sake, sorry, you watch the news, you wouldn't want to get out of bed. Absolutely right. And I think one of the things we hope to accomplish in Radical Hope is to build some defensive mechanisms so they can deal with the unpredictable of what's going on across the each and every day. As you say, you look at the, the most recent election and you saw the nasty comments going back and forth, little to do with the needs of the country in terms of emphasis. So they do have to be more prepared for the, for the barrage of news that uh, uh, affects them each and every day. And I think we can do that through Radical Hope. I think we can too. And, and, you know, one of the things we've seen, and, and this goes even beyond the NYU program, you know, we are proudly partnering with Bring Change to Mind, which is a, a, a high school peer to peer program that was originally started to help address the issues around stigma and just get, and mental health and get young kids, you know, talking about challenges they're having. Um, they're fabulous. We're helping support their expansion into the Northeast. And we've seen with that program and we've seen with a lot of the students we interviewed as we prepared to launch the NYU pilot, that the students want help. They want, we're not having to sell anything here, right? They are looking for a way out of this malaise, if you will, and this darkness. And I think that's probably something that's very different from when I, certainly when I was growing up, you wouldn't raise your hand and say, I'd like to 
talk about this. So, you know, with our focus on the practical things that, that, you know, we can provide and they can learn to help them get, you know, through all that, it's a winning formula. It's a winning formula. I would just add to that, Liz, too. I think uh, for maybe the first time, colleges and universities in terms uh, of their operations are also welcoming it. In other words, they recognize they need some help in this respect. And therefore, I think in the case of NYU, they bought into this program that you, we both talked about, but so on other colleges and universities. We're going to make it free, but they're going to have to invest in, te- in teaching people how to mentor and, and, uh, and conduct the sessions in a way that can be the most productive. But I think, as you mentioned earlier, I think we're going to be welcome. I don't think we're going to have to sell it. I think it's going to be in demand. Yes, you're right, Larry. And it already has been since we we announced the program um, at the end of October. A number of schools across the country, and different, you know, diverse schools, two groups, um, have uh, reached out um, on their own to say, "Can you bring this here? What, what's required here?" So, you know, through the course of our planning, we have been preparing a blueprint that includes all the elements to execute the program, everything from the IT platform to the pro content materials, the facilitator training guide, um, so that we remove as many barriers as possible for these schools to adopt the program. And NYU's done a spectacular job in helping us figure out, work out some kinks, figure out how the group should be organized. Um, we've got the time down for, you know, it's two hours a week maximum for commitment for both the students and the, and the facilitators. And, you know, hopefully, as you said, you know, we just need the schools to buy in and put the, you know, staff support behind it, but we're going to make it available for free to everybody. Yep. I think that's great. And I think, you know, if we were to look forward to a year from today, for example, I'd like to believe that we're going to be in 15 or 20 schools. We're going to have good feedback. We'll tweak the program as needed to make sure that it touches all the, uh, of the elements that we uh, hold in high regard, but I think it's going to be a very productive year in 2021. Very much so, and I and I think we'll be at least 20 or 25. You know, our goal as we is you know to reach a million students in the next couple of years, and we're we're hoping to bring this to community colleges, vocational schools, large universities, urban, rural. These the issues these this generation's facing. It really doesn't matter where they live. Geography is um, is not is not an issue here. People in Idaho are experiencing the same things that people in Miami are. So we're going to bring this as much you know far and wide as we can. No, I think that's right. And I and you know we 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 have a lot of attention. You particularly on the quality of the content. And so we're going to bring it in these schools as fast as we can, but we're not going to sacrifice quality in the process. We're going to be held accountable uh, in terms of its impact on the students. And we have we think that we're going to get the kind of feedback we've got from NYU, which has been very positive. And I think at the end of the day, we can make a, a difference here. And that's why I'm so excited to be involved. Well, Larry, you know, you're so right about the quality and the standards. Um it has to be great. If the students and, and getting this early feedback from the students has been so helpful already, you know, interestingly, you know, the more interactive the content is, the better the engagement is, which probably shouldn't be a surprise, but you never know how students, you know, some people learn better by video, some by reading, some by, you know, um, just discussion. But we had a remarkable response to the journaling exercises. The students want to write their thoughts down. They, um, the self-care tutorials, 
truly these two minute clips of how to get a good night's sleep, how to quiet your mind. There was a lot of engagement around those. And then even this one fabulous um, piece, self-assessment on just writing your life's blueprint. You know, what matters to you? What brings you joy? What are you good at? What do you want to do? Just put pen to paper and actually start expressing yourself. And so there's already, we've identified some quality and it's curated material. We didn't invent this, but we have taken, you know, months to pull out the best things that we can find that it's, you know, that are evidence-based and students are already responding. I think the responses that I've read have been most encouraging and I know that we're going to uh, be quick to amend it to the extent we can make it better all the time. But I think it's going to make an impact. I'm convinced it's going to make an impact. And we're going to do all we can to make sure that happens. Larry, what kind of help do you want? Do you want the listeners to hear right now that they can provide us? What, what resources can they bring to the table to help this mission? Uh, what's your call to action for everybody? First of all, we have a good website, and I certainly encourage everybody to take a look at our website. Then we're trying to raise funds so that we can bring this across the country. We've made some good progress on that front. We need to make more. And I want everybody to recognize we're not done. We're just starting. In other words, this crisis is not a betting. So we're going to have a lot of work ahead of us. But to the extent of people who want to come and help us, we can accommodate their wishes in terms of how to deploy this particular program. Uh, But we encourage you to take a look at it because I think you'll be impressed. And I think you can help us make make an ever larger impact. And that, of course, is our mission. And Larry, with you, with you as the chairman, um, we'll be driving this with the kind of urgency and accountability that you brought to everything else. And um, I say that so respectfully because uh, I, I see the problems every day on the front line. And uh, for all of you who are listening, please join us. Every single thing you do will be um, will be held to this. You know, you bring to this will be respected, and we will um, work together with partners wherever we can find them. To, to advance this this mission of ours. So, Liz, Mark, our, Liz, our complicated strategy is just this: focus and do. That is exact, and those words are written on the wall of everybody's everybody's home office. But it's true, Larry. That's the mantra, and it's the, and again, it doesn't mean you can't try and fail, but you've got to get keep your eye on the prize. Absolutely. We can save one more life, as we've said, you know, one life, help one young adult thrive. Uh, we will we will be succeeding. I couldn't agree more. Is there so I, so I, my, my view is this, that if, we, if anybody is interested in getting involved, you'll enjoy it. And you'll, you'll be convinced over time that we are making a difference. And I want you all to know you're welcome. Yes. So please follow um you know, join us on our website, as I said earlier, at RadicalHopeFoundation.org. And Larry, thank you for joining me today. And thanks to all of the listeners um, for being with us again. Radical Hope Radio podcasts are available anytime at iTunes, Spotify, and via Amazon Alexa. So you can allow it in your in your skill settings. So, okay, Liz, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. And uh, you can be sure that I'm going to stay involved and make this as, as just as successful as it possibly can be. And thank you, Larry, and for your generosity in every sense of the word. Um, we're all very grateful. Thank you. And until thank next you. time, everybody, thank you. Stay connected, stay safe and hopeful, 
and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and at Radical Hope underscore FDN. And just remember, uh, you're not alone.